All right, everybody, welcome to Talking Taker, episode number 37. We appreciate you joining us on our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. This is yet another round of Dead Man Talking, so settle in, pour a cup of coffee, grab a drink, whatever you gotta do, plug your headphones in, and, and come along for the ride with us. My name is Alex Dorio, I'm one of your co hosts. One of the tag team partners, one of the creatures of the night, and I am joined, as always, by my wrestling buddy, my tag team partner, my friend, Travis White, and Travis, my man, it's just, it's so timely that we're talking about this subject here on this episode of the podcast, you know, the world we live in is so turbulent, there's so much drama, there's different stuff in the news, the politics every day, and, you know, going back and watching this here... I had no idea that in 1997, The Undertaker cured racism. I mean, did you realize that? <laughs> I had no idea, brother. Uh, I had no idea that the whole uh, yeah, Black Lives Matter thing was going on in the WWF in 1997. So ahead and of he, the times. He single-handedly cures it. Here. <laughs> Man, this is crazy. Yeah. We're, we're topical. <laughs> yeah. We're, of course, talking about uh, King of the Ring 1997 on this episode and a just a wild buildup to a match between Undertaker, the WWF champion, defending his title against the leader of the Nation of Domination, Farouk, a.k.a. the legendary Hall of Famer, Ron Simmons. I mean, th- that is wild enough, but we've also got a yeah. lot of stuff a lot of other stuff, a side feud that we're going to talk about, and we're just going to dive right into it, folks. We're going to talk about all this buildup as much as we can, and I know we, we kind of started this podcast uh, a few months ago saying we're going to cover the matches, and and back then, there wasn't as much buildup to talk about right. in the lead-up to these matches, and now the, the show's kind of evolved. Uh, the show that we're watching, uh, WWF in 97 has evolved. Our show's kind of evolved to cover the buildup. And it's probably going to be a little bit light on the match today just because there's so much important character stuff with The Undertaker. We were just talking before a show that we've got to cover today. So, uh, you know, as always, give us your feedback. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. If you if you say, you know, we, we don't want to hear as much buildup. We want to hear about the match or we want to just talk about more of the buildup. Let us know all that stuff. You know, we love your feedback on all the social media stuff. And uh, just for complete transparency, uh, we're, you know, we're trying to record these episodes and, and do what we can to get them out. We've both got other stuff going on and uh, wish this could be our full-time job. Sadly, it's not. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Travis is is actually recording this uh, in his car, just picking up the Wi-Fi off his house, uh, <laughs> using some uh, At work. earbud yeah. phones. Uh, we we tested it out. We think it sounds okay, but you know, I wish we were professional and, and had it perfect for you. Uh, we're gonna try to make it work, but just in case anything doesn't go right on there, uh, just you know, we're just two f- fans having fun doing this and, and trying to get something out there. So we appreciate your grace and your patience as we try to record this and squeeze these in because you know we've got lives and families too, and I know you guys understand that. So we're just letting you know in case it doesn't quite sound up to quality, but uh, hopefully it'll sound. Just great. Uh, and, yeah. I'm going to do my best here as I sit in the car and hold this microphone right in front of my <laughs> face. So, see how it goes. So, but, man, speaking of, like, we got – there's so much going on in these episodes. And I mentioned, I think, last episode of Talking Taker that Vin Fruso has taken over the, the writing of the show. And you can tell, man, uh, Undertaker has multiple segments on each episode of Raw. It's like if you miss an episode of Raw, you miss something. Nowadays, you could turn <laughs> – he can miss three weeks, and the same guys are still feuding. Um, man, back here in 97 and in, in this May and June era, you can't miss a week, man. Stuff yeah. happens all the time. So we're going to build up to June 8th, uh, 97 here at the Civic Center at Providence, Rhode Island. Let's kick it right in, man. Uh, by the way, I want to say these reality check commercials on Monday Night Raw are absolutely horrible. <laughs> Those of you who haven't seen them. After Adam and I got married, he just sort of let himself go. It was a big turnoff. Let's just say the choo-choo wasn't visiting the station much. But lately, he's been looking F-I-N-E fine. Just a sexy boy. Sexy boy. I'm just a boy toy. Boy toy. I think it must be his new George Clooney haircut. 
You better go now. I know I'm sexy. I've got the looks. They're these, like, sultry, like, risque, pre-attitude era, like, pre, pre I don't know. But they're uncomfortable and poor, poorly acted, too. Well, <laughs> you brought up Vince Russo, and you can tell he wrote every single oh. uh, uh, one of yeah. those silly commercials. Bro. <laughs> no Bro. offense. I but... love Vince. I'm a, oh, yeah, we... I'm a member of his brand. I'm, you... I'm going to be on his, on his podcast in a few months. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, yeah, I'll let you guys know when when I'm on there. So um, anyway, yeah, bro. But this, bro, there's so much Russo all over this, bro. It's incredible. It is Russo-rific but, uh, in all the best ways. Uh, oh, yeah. And yeah. So we're going to pick up on Raw, episode 209, May 12th, 1997. We last left you with In Your House, Cold Day in Hell. The Undertaker uh, picking up the win over Stone Cold Steve Austin, but then getting a Stone Cold Stunner as the show goes off the air, and Stone Cold <laughs> walking tall, and he's going to go off to do some more stuff with Shawn Michaels and with the Hart Foundation, and we're going to come back to him again you know, later on, but Undertaker is going to go off in a new direction and kind of, well, going to go off in a new direction, picking up an old direction, because... Yeah. We kick things off here with Mankind coming out, and we haven't seen Paul Bearer since he got a fireball, uh, quote-unquote, <laughs> a, right. a, a light uh, fireball in the face from The Undertaker <laughs> back at Revenge of the Taker. And so Mankind gets to bring out Paul Bearer after a month away, and this is uh, the infamous shot of uh, or we're going to see Paul Bear over the next few weeks with his face covered in bandages, uh, hiding the scars from being horribly burned. Mankind says he's been in hiding and he didn't want to show himself, but now he's coming out uh, to basically get revenge. No, those of you that remember the Yeti from the Dungeon of Doom on WCW, this is like a short, fat version in a suit. It's incredible. He's got his whole head wrapped up and... Looks like a like a mommy man. It's ridiculous, but yeah, he he's uh he, and mankind calls him a defenseless man. A defenseless man, Paul, Uncle Paul was disfigured, and um, Paul Bear comes out and says uh, he's got he's gonna give Undertaker one more chance for them to get back together, and if the Undertaker doesn't accept his final offer, Paul Bear is going to reveal a secret, a huge secret that he made while standing over the grave of the Undertaker's mother and father. One more chance, Undertaker. If you do not accept this final offer, I'm going to do something that only you know, Undertaker. A secret that only you know. But I will reveal it to the whole world. It is a secret that I made while I was standing over the graveside of your mother and father. You heard me, Undertaker. Come back, or I'm gonna hurt you. This is the beginning of the story of Kane. Right. The beginning of the debut of the Undertaker's brother. Another just milestone moment, not just in the Undertaker's history, but in the history of the WWF. This is one of the biggest, and I would argue one of the greatest long-term storytelling. Oh, uh, devices yeah. that's ever been done in the WWF, honestly, in wrestling. I mean, this mm-hmm. is the rare time that doing this soap opera-esque stuff just really pays off, and it works, and it's memorable, and uh, this is the beginnings of it. The Undertaker, Paul Bear is saying The Undertaker, uh, he's going to reveal a secret about The Undertaker that like you said, he promised his parents on their deathbeds he would keep secret, so uh, he doesn't reveal too much. But in a way, it's just huge because we've never, ever heard anyone talk about The Undertaker as a human being, basically. Yep. We've never yep. heard any talk about his family or any of this side of him. We've just been seeing him as this zombie, as this movie monster. And now Paul <laughs> Bearer is peeling back the onion and talking about The Undertaker, the person. Yeah, that's exactly what I wrote. I wrote it's really humanizing the Undertaker here. So way more in between 1990 and 96, you would never heard this. Definitely the first three or four years um, when he was just that undead zombie guy. But yeah, it's really adding another layer. Like you said, I mean we've we've talked on the Talking Taker about um, 
you know, it's like a comic book and you got the, the, the different volumes. Well, here's the next volume, you know, the next story arc is opening up here. And Undertaker's more human. Uh, I always say more human than human. He's more human <laughs> at this point because now, yeah, he, he's got a mom. He's got a dad. He's got something else, you know. So it really, uh, really uh, blew me away. I mean, I know where the story's going, but I'd never seen this actual promo. So um, it was really neat to see and just see how uh, how it, the audience and how the characters are going to react as we build here. Again, it's not even building up to the, to the actual match. No. But it's building this character of the Undertaker, which is cool. Well, that comes a little bit later in the night when Farouk comes out to do an interview with Mr. Man in the ring. And continuing the trend that we've seen lately, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Man just says, well, how does it feel to be number one contender, Farouk? <laughs> yeah. just... Exactly. No buildup, no number one contender match. He's just uh, the number one contender. And uh, as if the Kane stuff wasn't interesting enough, now we've got a completely uh, wild and interesting buildup to this match in a completely different way. Because Farouk starts talking about, he's asking Mr. Man, when was the last time a black man ever held the WWF championship? Never. Yep. And he goes on and on talking about all these racial indiscrepancies in the world and in professional wrestling. Um, And and Mr. Man asks him, well, isn't what you're saying racist? Like, they're just diving into social issues and all this stuff. And uh, Farouk lets out one of the best lines in the history of this podcast. I'll tell you what, at King of the Ring, King Farouk will live again because, you see, your white savior, the Undertaker, will be a dead man. <laughs> he gives him a new nickname. Yeah. We've got, we've got uh, what, what, with the man who walks with angels. Yep, yep. Uh, we got the phenom, the dead man, the, dead man, the, phenom. the dark one. <laughs> yeah, the dark one for once upon a time. Now we got your white savior. So <laughs> that one didn't catch on so much. <laughs> Thank God. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, can you see the crowd chant, you're white savior, clap, 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 that'd be ridiculous. So, um, yeah, he says, you're white savior, the Undertaker will be a dead man, the king of the ring. So, just add that to the list of nicknames, so, that's ridiculous. It, it's at ridiculous. What point, at what point was Undertaker, had, he had nothing to do with racial, like, bigotry or anything, it just comes out of nowhere that he's the white savior. Um, well, whatever. I mean, they're definitely pushing boundaries here, but... Uh, Farouk was selling the crap out of it, dude. He, he, he is all about it. He is. Oh, yeah. He, he, I mean, we know, you guys at least, you know, the intensity of Ron Simmons and uh, his famous catchphrase. Yeah, yes. Uh, and, you know, man, he can cut a promo and he was all in. It, he was all in on the nation and, and, and doing this. Yeah. Uh, doing this angle, doing this gimmick, um, and it's it cuts a heck of a promo. It's it's kind of silly and ridiculous to be talking about it on pro wrestling, but he's trying his best uh, to to get this over. Oh yeah, absolutely, he sure is. And uh, <clears throat> moving right along here because we got so much to talk about that leads us to uh, again more segments with Undertaker and the da- the nation on on the show here. We got Savio Vega, not Quang, versus the Undertaker. So the nation, of course, they interfere for a DQ after Undertaker hits a tombstone. He's about to win, and they come in, and they beat him down, and Farouk gets a leather belt or some kind of leather strap. I don't know if it's a Yepapai Indian strap or not. Not sure. Uh, but he starts whipping. He starts whipping Undertaker with it. Uh, and then he picks up the WWF championship or title, excuse me, 1997, you could say title. He picks up the WWF title and poses with it for the crowd, which I thought was pretty cool, you know? Yeah, for it. I mean, he was the first black WCW champion, and now there's a possibility yes. that he's going to become the first black WWF champion. So uh, they don't really play into that WCW history, but if you were watching back then, I no. mean, you knew that. Uh, so it, it's cool to see that parallel, and you could buy into for he hasn't been hasn't had a huge push here in the WWF, but you can buy into his history in WCW and NWA and all that. And I mean, he's a legitimate. Uh, contender. I think you could buy into him uh, with that, even though yeah. there's he's just randomly the number one contender here. Uh, and so uh, later on in the show, like we said, there's just so much just in this one episode. Undertaker does a promo backstage, yeah. and he's sitting in like there's like a purple light around him, but he kind of looks like he's in the shower or something. I don't oh, know yeah. where he's Absolutely. supposed to be. <laughs> and uh, Jim Ross asks him to comment on Paul Bearer and on Farouk. 
He says that uh, with regards to Paul Bearer, that some secrets are better left buried. And with regards to Farouk, that this was a little weird to me. He, yeah. Undertaker said <laughs> that it's never been his physical prowess that has led him to victory, but his mental strength, which... Yeah. <laughs> have you, are you sure about it? <laughs> like, yes. Undertaker is mean, 6'10", 320 right. pounds. Right. He leaps like a cruiserweight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he says he's going to have to call Don't sell on... yourself short, pal. <laughs> <laughs> he's selling himself a little short. A little bit. Uh, it's not one of his best promos. But, uh, you know, he is no. all over this show. He is... If Undertaker took a back burner last month with all the Stone Cold Heart Foundation stuff, he is coming back up to the forefront this month. He is all over yeah. every episode of Raw building up into this pay-per-view. Uh, including, yeah. uh, we'll move on to next week, Raw 210 on May oh, 19th. I, I, I want to say something yeah. about this episode. We just talked about. This Go was, ahead. In that promo, he says, uh, Undertaker says he's going to the Vault of Souls and unleashing a demon to help him defeat the nation. So, I don't know what that's about, but um, I want to just mention a couple things. It's iconic. Um, this is the episode, if you guys, if any of you listeners listen to um, Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, they just had their, Jeff, or their RVD episode. We talked about his first match on on Raw with Jeff Hardy. This is the episode with it. Yeah, they, they announced Jeff Hardy from Virginia. It's like what? Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, this is the episode where um, Sean first gets called a degenerate by Brett. Ah. Um, this is this is the one with the wheelchair where he's supposed to kick him out uh, before the show goes off the air, but Brett keeps like filibustering <laughs> and the show goes off, which leads to an actual backstage fight i think the next week so anyway just some iconic stuff go check it out um the the network does have the extended cut that has everything that happened after raw went off the air but it's a pretty iconic episode of raw and i did not realize it was the same episode with all this undertaker build on it so pretty cool but yeah moving on to next week with raw um episode 210 uh may 19th 97 so Go ahead, take it away. Yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong watching any of these episodes of Raw. If you want to go back and, and go through these episodes, they're highly entertaining. Uh, there's so much happening, uh, including the, uh, you know, there's more. There, on this episode, we get the beginning of those infamous Mankind sort of shoot-style promos oh, uh, with I'll Jim see. Ross, yeah. where they peel back the layers on Mankind and, and reveal Mick Foley and Dude Love and Cactus Jack. And, and these are the interviews that, turn him into the megastar that becomes a mm-hmm. future WWF champion. It really is all tied back to these uh, character-building interviews he does with Jim Ross here. Um, and he's so, – so that's going on, and you know, he's, of course, one of Undertaker's greatest rivals. Uh, one of Undertaker's not greatest rivals, but is going to become a pivotal part of this feud, is Ahmed Johnson, who – gets interviewed backstage. Uh, uh, Vincent Mann asks him to comment on Farouk uh, playing the race card uh, and all this. Obviously, Ahmed Johnson has been feuding with Farouk ever since he came into the company. But Ahmed, we're seeing a different side of him here. He says, I wish you hadn't asked me about this, Vincent Mann, because if I'm being honest, I agree with Farouk that uh, black men haven't been given opportunities here in the WWF. There's never been a black WWF champion. But uh, he does maintain his uh, babyface side because he says he doesn't want Farouk to do it his way. And instead, Ahmed Johnson, he says he wants to be the Hank Aaron of the WWF and become the first black champion. So a little bit of a tease into what we're going to be building up to here uh, in, the, in the next couple weeks with uh, Ahmed teasing a little bit of heelishness right there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Farouk goes on to fight Rocky Maivia uh, and get a quick little win over here. And Vince says something that he's just flat out wrong about here. He says that Farouk is right. He says Farouk said there's never been a person of color to be WWF champion. And he says that's right. But that's not true. There's never been a black champion. But Iron Sheik, uh, Pedro yeah. Morales, Yokozuna. I mean, Yokozuna, there have been... Yeah. People of color, like you could definitely point to right. African Americans yeah. have not been given a fair shake at the WWF champion, but there have been people of color to hold right. the WWF title. Mister Man keeps saying people of color, and that part's just not quite true. Clearly a racist. It's <laughs> <laughs> only color. He can't see anything any other color, but I guess everybody else is white, and he's yeah. I, I don't black. know what yeah. he's thinking. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's doing there, but um. Yeah, this this match with Rocky Maivia, um, you know, Farouk beats him pretty quickly, but um, 
and the nation starts to beat him up at the end, but then Farouk calls him off. Again, planting seeds there for something else we're going to see coming. Again, it's amazing how everyone on these episodes has something going on. Yeah. Every person, from Rockabilly to the main event, everyone has a storyline, and, and a lot of these storylines intertwine. It's, a, it's really amazing to see when you put some freaking effort <laughs> into the storytelling, what you can get. Um, so, yeah, um, speaking of Undertaker here, though, Vince oh, has an in-ring promo with Undertaker. This is uh, absurd. Uh, okay, so he asked Undertaker about last week and the secret. And, of course, Undertaker, just, at this point, he glosses over the secret and says that Farouk decided to play the race card. Well, Farouk, you need to understand that the Undertaker, he's not the white savior because I don't recognize color. I'm not white. I'm not black. What I am is the reaper of wayward souls. And the, the crowd pops. To that. Like, you're not white? You are white. <laughs> Dude, you just know that Vince McMahon thinks he is solving racism with all these promos. He's like, he thinks this is the <laughs> yeah. greatest thing ever. He's going to bring the world together with the Undertaker. He's not white. He's not black. Uh, he is. He's just the Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have a race. <laughs> and this is going to unite everyone. Like, this is just the most ridiculous Undertaker promo ever. All time. Yeah. It's horrible. And it's just, I mean, I guess Martin Luther King was looking forward to the Undertaker. He just didn't know it you know, <laughs> to, to, you know, get everybody on board. So I, I had a dream that one day Undertaker will solve racism, and here it is. So, uh, yeah, who knew, man? <laughs> we didn't see, never saw it coming. But uh, Vince presses again about the secret, and Taker says it's not the time. And then here comes the Yeti. Uh, no, not he's not really Yeti anymore. He's got some bandages on the side of his face, I think. Paul Bear comes out. And, now, I want to say, Paul Bear is doing some of his best work in this oh, view right here. hands down. He is incredible. He comes out. He's got a new swagger about him. He's, he's arrogant. He's a jerk. He's got Undertaker, you know, uh, in the palm of his hand, basically. So he, he's playing it up. And he calls he, – he, he recalls the day that they buried his parents. He um, says, I'm going to reveal that secret. And Undertaker, for the first time I can remember since we've been recording this ep- these episodes, he's speechless. I mean, he just stands there, like, shocked, you know, and – Again, humanizing him a little more, giving him some more nuances to his character. Um, he's absolutely speechless, you know, because he knows that Paul Bear's got something he can't go back from, you know. So Paul demands he comes back and says, if, if you're not subservient, which, again, wonderful Vincent Mann's word day calendar, if you're not subservient in seven days, I'm going to open Pandora's box and reveal that secret. So, um, yeah, pretty cool stuff. It's so funny. You know, we, as wrestling fans – yeah, it's it's the biggest problem we have is that when, when we watch wrestling now, we, we just complain. It seems like you know, you and I, we we both, I think we we both try to stay positive uh, when we talk about wrestling, and you know, we want to be positive. Oh, yeah. Even on this podcast, even if stuff's crappy, we try to look for the good stuff. But but <laughs> wrestling fan in general, on the internet especially, it's just complain, complain, complain about where storylines are going and where they should be going and where we want them to be going. And some of it's justified. Some of stuff is terrible, but some stuff you just, you got to wait and let it see where it plays out. And it, I'm saying that because I wonder what it would have been like back then. Cause I, to be honest, I was all in on WCW at this point. I, I consider myself yeah. always a WWF guy, but at this time in 97, I was all in on WCW versus NWO. I don't remember. I, I have a loose memory of watching some of this stuff, but I didn't watch every 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 episode, every segment of Raw back then. And I wonder if people really enjoyed this Undertaker and Kane thing as it was going on or if they were just complaining right. uh, about this. Because going back and watching it and, and knowing where it ends up, to me, it's like the best mystery angle they've yeah. ever done it's the only one that actually has like a really great payoff and I, i'm sure they didn't know exactly how far they were going to drag it out they didn't know when they would reveal it at, at this point i mean, right I, I don't believe it if they say that they did i don't believe that they had no. it planned out 
for six months that they're going to reveal it at that uh, in your house bad blood with the hell in a cell. I, I don't believe that they could have had that lined up Be, with all the no chaos way. that's going on with with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and everything. I don't think they did. I think they knew. Yeah, we're going to reveal Kane. We're going to reveal the Undertaker's right. brother. But I don't think they knew how long they would do it, and it's just incredible to to rewatch it, man. It's it's one of the yeah. greatest storylines. You know, Bruce Pitch- Pritchard on on Sunday Wrestle says it's his favorite thing he's ever done, and it really sure. is. It's one of the best angles they've ever done, and one of the only times they've done a mystery like this where it pays off. Yeah, I, I, I'm just Thanks. ranting and raving here. <laughs> well, it pays off satisfactorily. It's not like the guest GM, raw GM, or oh, yeah. who's Vince sure. McMahon's son, or who hit Austin. Oh, it was Rikishi? Are you kidding me? Exactly. It, yeah, it's a, it's a, and even WCW, we still don't know who pulled up in the, who drove the white limo, the white Hummer, you know? It's been 20 years, we got no idea who drove the white limo in WCW. So yeah, this is very, it's going to pay off very satisfactorily. Is that a word? I don't know. Ask Vince McMahon's <laughs> calendar. Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to satisfy like Snickers. Uh, I want to say something else about this episode of Raw. Um, this is the Sunny Days comment. Very infamous interview. This is where Michaels goes off script and, and says Sunny Days. And that literally leads to a backstage brawl with them, which cancels the second from the top uh, match at King of the Ring. Supposed to have The Undertaker and Farouk. The other match was supposed to be Brett and Sean. Ten-minute time limit with the Hart Foundation uh, uh, handcuffed to the ring post. How cool would that have been? Yeah. How cool. But because Sean said sunny days, they fought and pulled each other's hair backstage and canceled that match. Well, so, uh, it, yeah, it's it, just crazy. What, like all this changing stuff, man. It points to something we mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago, that Undertaker is the constant. This And this feud with Paul yep. Bear is the constant. It is that yep. everything else is changing and in flux. So we're going to see that again on next month's show too and as we continue through 97 all this stuff with Bret Hart and Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels is just changing week by week by week because of what's happening backstage and here's the yeah. Undertaker with the storyline with Paul Bearer <laughs> yeah. and they're there every week and there's no drama and they're just doing they're 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 doing great work with this great storyline and so yeah. the Undertaker is establishing his legacy you know, with Vince McMahon as well backstage. Sure. Like you, you can depend on this guy. You know, he's not going to give sure. you all this ridiculous nonsense backstage. So pretty cool. He's a freaking he's a freaking white savior. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, oh yeah. Oh, that's so. I can't even say that. That's so dumb. I know. Uh, go back and check out these sunny, uh, sun, sunny uh, super soaker commercials too. They're horrible. They're horribly unintentionally non PG and. The way her life's gone, her life choices now, it's it's a shame to watch these. But uh, shame. Anyway. What are you talking about? Wetter's better, dude. Wetter's oh hell, better. well, Raw two two eleven, <laughs> May twenty sixth, ninety seven, from uh my wife's hometown, Evansville, Indiana. There you go. I wonder if she was there. <laughs> no, <laughs> she was not. Well, uh, Shawn Michaels is there, and he. I've always remembered this episode because he comes out wearing this black and white Homer Simpson t-shirt that I am pretty sure my dad also has. And uh, I've never forgotten that. I don't know why he's wearing it. Not wearing a WWF shirt. He's wearing a Homer Simpson t-shirt. And uh, I'm uh, 98% sure my dad has the same one. Or a very similar one. <laughs> well, plus, that's like two of your favorite things converging I know. into one you know, super fan of the Simpsons, especially at this time. So to see that on TV was amazing for you, I'm sure, as an 11-year-old. It was, and there is a fantastic one of the best Raw matches of all time with uh, Owen and Bulldog versus HBK and Austin on this episode of Raw too oh, for the tag God team titles. Me. If yeah. you've never seen that, go back and watch that, and watch this whole episode too. We're gonna break it down real quick uh, here. Uh, so yeah, watch. You want to start with Paul Bear? Yeah, this is where. Yeah, Paul Bear is backstage, and he's got the, again. He's got a new look here. We we see him. He's got his hair Finally. is not dyed black. Yeah, he's got no makeup. He's got um. Like no white pale ghost makeup. I mean, he's got a fake injury on the side of his face, but no, no mustache. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, no mustache. He looks more human. Uh, he even calls himself out and said, "Yes, I've changed. My face has changed. My hair's changed. My voice changed. I'm not the same Paul Bear anymore. Not by far, my little pretty." Basically, he's dropped the whole. You know, ooh, yeah. I mean, he's still 
somewhat a little bit, but he's more – he sounds like a southern guy from Memphis, honestly, exactly. to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's Percy Pringle here. But right. um, he says that the secret he has is in a safe deposit box with his attorney. So um, – and if anything happens to him, the secret will be revealed. So he's threatening Undertaker not to lay a hand on him. Um, and I – when he said the safety deposit box, it reminded me of another Undertaker match we will get to eventually with Shane McMahon and whatever that secret was in the safety deposit box that never paid off. Yeah, speaking this of which. Pay off. <laughs> oh, Dude, and yeah. Paul Bear is just chewing the scenery, man. Like you said yeah. earlier, he is relishing this opportunity, like making faces. We've always talked about his faces, <laughs> but he is just over the top in all the best ways. He's just oh yeah. He's being a a Batman movie villain like or Batman TV show <laughs> like yes. oh, completely over the top, and he's pulling it off. Man, it, yeah. it's incredible. He is playing so, to the to the balcony as you've talked about a lot on here. Yeah, and this um, on this show we got Farouk uh, on commentary as uh, D'Lo and Bob Sparkplug Holly are, are uh, fighting here, and he's got you know he's got these more racial overtones. All this commentary about you know being the first black WWF champion says Undertaker's a dead man at King of the Ring, and another one of those uh, Undertaker backstage promos where he's in the shower, <laughs> the purple shower. <laughs> um, but this one is strange because it has this audio, like he gives his whole promo. And you can't hear a lick of it. Yep. And then I think, is it JR or Vince who's like, can you say that again, pal? Or something, basically. And he kind of gives it over again. Um, basically, he says he's got two weeks to uh, worry about Farouk, but he's only got one week to, or no, he has a, a decision to make tonight that can affect the rest of his life. So I like that he's not, he's got these two storylines going at the same time. And he's, you know, it shows that uh, this one is important, but he's still, he's still worrying about Farouk. You know, he's not, passing Farouk off as a non-threat, you know, which is kind of neat. So, And it's kind of showing, you know, Undertaker's distracted here. You're yeah, bringing in doubt. You would normally think, oh, yeah, he should be able to take care of Farouk pretty easily. Sure. But yeah. he's so distracted by all this stuff with Paul Bearer that it's increasing Farouk's odds that maybe he's going to steal the title away and make the nation even more powerful here. Um, that was and also – oh, go ahead. I was, he could have been backstage in the purple room uh, sitting in one of those King the Ring inflatable chairs for 70 <laughs> 70- – Seventy dollars. Seventy dollars, dude, for a blow up chair. Fifty nine, fifty nine ninety five plus eleven dollars shipping and handling. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Oh, oh man, I definitely wanted it though. I thought blow up yeah. chairs were so cool. I had one at uh, one point. I had uh, one eventually. Yeah. Not a king of the ring school. one. Sadly, nope. <laughs> um, I was gonna say that you that D'Lo Brown match actually his first ever match with the company yeah. or as D'Lo Brown he as D- yeah. wrestled as really a jobber cool. a few times uh, different name but it's first time as D'Lo Brown uh, and he has no chest protector no head swivels his neck no, is fine nothing like point. that <laughs> uh, Paul Bear of course does come out uh, at the end of the show this is the main event segment of the show he comes out to speak with Vince yeah. McMahon and he says he's been more than fair with the Undertaker with the time he's allotted him. And this promo is just, we keep saying stuff's awesome because it is. He, yeah. There's continuity here. He says that Brother oh, Love yeah. brought him in all these years ago. And yes. he didn't just bring him in off the streets. He brought him in because he's known Undertaker's family for all these years. And he says, As I was standing over the graveside of your mother and father, I was the mortician that day. I was the funeral director. But you know what, Undertaker? There wasn't two graves. No, there wasn't two. There was three graves! Three graves in the cemetery that day, dead man! So that's the huge secret. What does that mean? Why were there three graves? Uh, We didn't know until a few weeks ago that the Undertaker's parents were dead. We haven't known any of this stuff. But as he says that... The uh, the bell tolls and Undertaker just speed walks out to the ring. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want Paul Bear to say anything more about this, um, and he he says that Paul, I hate you with all that I am. I loathe you. I despise you for what you've done to me. Uh, and he hopes that the ones who loved me in the past will be able to forgive me for what I have to do tonight. And then he uh, goes like he's going to attack Paul Bear and goes. Sticks the goozle around his throat. Crowd starts chanting, rest in peace for him. They're, oh, they're yeah. buying into this. Um, yeah. 
And Bear just like points his finger at Undertaker, starts wagging his finger at him. Undertaker eases up. And then much like uh, back at SummerSlam 1996, the last time we saw this, the Undertaker bows down before Paul Bearer. Last time we saw him do that, yep. Paul Bearer smashed the urn over his head. And now Undertaker bows yep. down before Paul Bearer again all these months later, apparently controlled by Paul Bearer because of this horrible, confusing, scary secret. Yeah. And, man, I just wrote it's awesome freaking storytelling. Again, you're bringing in the history with Brother Love bringing him in. This stuff about him being the funeral director and there's three graves and, you know, Undertaker's selling it like it's like it's real, you know. Um, it's just so cool, man. It's so so awesome. And again, there's no urn here to have power over the Undertaker. It's just Paul Bear yes. having power. I just thought that I, maybe I'm reading too much into that, but because I'm a Mark, but it was just seeing that was so cool, man. No, that's a um, great point. Yeah, it's just really really neat stuff. And that was the main event segment, wasn't it? I mean, of Raw. Yeah. That's how Raw that's went how off, it the goes air. off the air. Undertaker was kneeling down to Paul Bear like. He, used to with the urn but instead of the urn it's just fat paul bear in front of him (laughs) with a secret (laughs) so it just goes to show you again we've talked on this show you know the rise of this type of episodic storytelling because you're competing wcw raised the bar with the nwo and shocking stuff happening every week and wwf is answering you got to have this cliffhanger something big to go off the air with we're back in the day a couple years ago you just have you know, some random squash match and just be like, okay, we'll see you next week. Uh, yeah. And now it's like, oh, Undertaker is back with Paul Bear. What does that mean? Uh, i, I got to be here next week to find out what's going on. Or yeah. maybe you got to turn into Shotgun Saturday night because uh, apparently, I, I didn't send this to you. I just like watched it uh, the other day. Uh, but I mean, Is this Bay 31st? Yeah. The yeah. Did man, you, did I, you did, look I didn't up? get a chance to watch it, but I, I saw the – the, the match but i didn't get a chance to watch it yet tell me about tell us about it you can find this on youtube obviously shotgun is not on the wwe network this is wild this match happened on yes. shotgun saturday night crazy the nation of domination farouk crush and savio faced mankind vader and the undertaker managed all managed by paul yeah. bearer on shotgun yeah. not on raw the next week they put it on shotgun saturday night and this is the first time we've seen Paul Bear accompany Undertaker to the ring since SummerSlam of last year. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> I saw that, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. Um, but yeah, I just I saw that match was it was something that happened, and I thought that was so cool. And I was glad you watched it, so I saw that. So that's really cool. I didn't realize that Paul Bear was the one managing them, and because I was like, why are they all together? Like, but then it makes sense in yeah. hindsight. So. Uh, and it's, you know, we put it up on social media. Uh, if you want to go back and watch it on talking, Taker Twitter and all that good stuff. Uh, it's, it's not a great match or I mean, it's a, it's a TV match. You, you can probably guess the story of the match is that sure. mankind Vader do all the work. Uh, Undertaker just kind of sulks and sits on the corner. He doesn't want to get in there. Uh, they end up forcing him in and he goes to town, beats up Farouk for a few minutes. Then Undertaker slaps Vader in and Vader argues with him and gets schoolboyed by Farouk to win. Uh, Undertaker tries to attack Vader, but Paul Bearer talks him out of it, and Undertaker just storms off. So a little bit of storyline development there, but the the best part is that Brian Pillman is on commentary with Jim Ross, and he says, oh. You just gotta wonder exactly what the Undertaker wants to keep him to join forces with Paul Bearer and to be teammates with Vader and Mankind, that secret has got to be reprehensible. Well, I hope it's not uh, on par with Ellen DeGeneres or Eddie Murphy. <laughs> oh. oh. Wow. <laughs> yep. Wow. 1997, ladies and gentlemen. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Filming, man, the loose cannon. Exactly. You get a bunch of hate mail at this point nowadays well yeah jump into uh we got one more episode of raw to get to before we get to king of the ring so yeah yeah and you know again guys this is packed this stuff is just packed there's so much going on so we really hope you're enjoying this this ride because it's fun again we're building multiple storylines at one time with undertaker so again we just mentioned the last episode of raw from evansville you it went off the, the air and you're like what what's the secret you know undertaker's bowing down but what you did not expect 
happens on the next week. You did not expect a return from Sid, mm. psych, Psycho Sid Vicious, back from Softball League. But anyway. Yeah, I was wrong a couple of weeks ago. I said that was his last appearance on Raw. Uh, and I was wrong. He's he's got a couple more appearances. I, and like I said, I, I guess I wasn't watching as close as I thought I was back when I was 11 years old. Uh, so we do get a few more uh, a few more gems yeah. from uh, old Sid. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So the, again, Raw went off the air with Undertaker last week. This week, this is a Raw 212, uh, June 2nd, the go home show for King of the Ring. It op- Raw opens up with Undertaker in the ring for a promo. And again, Vince asked for an explanation. What happened last week? You know what's going on. And uh, says it's excuse me, Undertaker says it's all about blackmail, which I thought was an interesting choice of words. <laughs> Just <laughs> considering, <laughs> considering uh, the racial overtones, I thought it was interesting. Since it's all about blackmail, but anyway, um, he says he did what he what he had to do to protect the ones he loves. And he says that he's when he dies, he's not going to go to hell because he's living in it right now. Which I thought. That's that's got that's wrestling all over it, man. That's just oh, absolutely. Wrestling. Like super cheesy line, but it's got wrestling written all over it. So, <laughs> and he said that he must take Paul Bearer back as a manager because uh, people are being threatened. People in his life are being threatened, and he's ready for the ridicule from the creatures of the night. And he's gonna make a deal with the devil so that Paul Bearer can forever burn in hell. <laughs> like wow, that's a little vicious there, dude. So, um, and of and, course, and he also says. You know, man, last week when I had Paul Bearer by his fat neck, it would have felt great to yes. break to break it like a brittle bone. <laughs> Just being yeah. <laughs> he says fat neck, the crowd popped. Oh, that yeah. is great. So, and uh, old PB comes out here. Paul Bearer comes out to some a lot of booze, man. He's he's over as a mega heel sure. at this point, you know. And he says now he ordered to take her around, and he's going to be the ruler of the world. So they drop this line, and you're like, uh oh. There's only one ruler of the world. So you know, he's like, you know, I've got all the power. I'm the ruler of the world. And then you hear that, nah, 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 the Psycho Sid music. And uh, the crowd, like you keep saying, man, the crowd loves Sid. He's like, he's Braun Strowman before Braun Strowman was Strowman. So it's over. Incredible. It's incredible. Hasn't been seen in months. He comes out, and uh, the crowd loves this freaking guy. And he basically... <laughs> Let's cut it short. He, he wants a rematch from WrestleMania 13, basically. Exactly. Um, however, we come to find out it's not actually it's not a title it's not a title rematch. It's a non-title match, but um, who knows? But he wants a rematch, and the nation comes out and uh, say that a black man's going to rule the WWF as of next week. Um, a lot of booze, which ouch, that's not that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't uh, that doesn't age well either. So I don't know which town they're in, but probably somewhere in the south so anyway uh take her heads to the ring or up the ring to, to the ramp to chase Farouk, and uh he attacks the nation after they interfere in oh, i'm sorry later on in the match or in the show there's a Farouk versus ahmed johnson match uh again their rivalry has permeated the entire last year yeah. of uh raw and Undertaker comes out to uh, attack the nation after they interfere in that match um this is where we get an Ahmed confrontation with Undertaker, which you had mentioned they dropped some seeds a while ago, and I'll let you take it from here. So. Well, yeah, Undertaker ends up, he, he's brawling with the nation, and he accidentally tosses Farouk into Ahmed, who uh, right. Ahmed gets runs into the steps off of that. Um, so uh, Farouk ends up getting the win over Ahmed, and so Ahmed is kind of pissed off at the Undertaker, argues with him over that, and Undertaker just choke slams him, man. Yep. Undertaker's <laughs> frustrated, he's got so much going on. Even though Ahmed Johnson's a babyface, he ends up just chokeslamming him, letting him out some frustration. Um, and uh, I don't blame him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we get in the main event, you know, like you said, a WrestleMania rematch of Sid versus The Undertaker. Uh, before that, uh, Mankind faces Savio Vega. And I, I just mentioned that because it's mentioned on commentary during that match that Mankind... Yeah. Is no longer managed by Paul Bear. Paul Bear has decided to focus all of his attention on the Undertaker now, and so not only is that putting more focus on this Paul Bear Undertaker storyline, it's also the beginning of Mankind's babyface turn. All these interviews that we've seen are slowly turning him babyface, and now he's dropped Paul Bear. He has an excuse to do that, so it's all really tying together here. It's really really neat. Yeah. And if you listen to the crowd when he comes out, he gets a babyface reaction. I mean, it's, it's not 
it's not Undertaker levels or you know, but he's he's good. He's getting over as a face at this point, and even the commentary points it out. Like these people are standing and cheering for him. So yeah, good on man. That's how you, that's how you turn somebody. Exactly. Was- the crowd, uh, they're cheering for mankind. They're still cheering for Undertaker here. He still gets yeah. a huge pop, uh, and, and the commentary mentions that they say they're kind of surprised. Or Jr. says he's surprised Undertaker still got cheered, even though he's with Paul Bear and. This man says, well, the crowds understand that he's why he's doing what he has to do here, yeah. that he's being blackmailed. They don't they don't uh, crap on him for for doing that. They understand what's going on. And uh, yeah, it's it's a quick match. Honestly, to me, this was almost better than their WrestleMania match. Yeah. They work yeah, no. a lot better, uh, work a lot faster. Uh, it's a just it's a condensed version of that match. But Undertaker gets the clean win here, uh, gets a t- yep. t- with a tombstone on Sid to make him look strong going into King of the Ring. Uh, and the nation ends up attacking Undertaker just immediately afterward. Uh, Sid tries to rescue him, but Undertaker beats him up too. And just like a few weeks ago, they just pull out the belt and start whipping the Undertaker. And they pose through the nation domination fist uh, up into the air to end the show and take us into King of the Ring. Again, lots of build up. A lot of stuff going on. We're building up in King of the Ring. Here we are finally, however many minutes into this podcast, talking about the match. Um, and again, we could have we could have broken this up into four episodes probably. There was so much going on if you sure. want to get down to the nitty gritty. But anyway, King of the Ring, again, brought to you by Super Soaker and also Sunny <laughs> uh, from Providence, Rhode Island, the Civic Center there. So uh, luckily, the WWF title match is the actual main event. Yes. Um, I honestly, I believe it would have been Brett and Sean and yeah. with the uh, handcuffs to their butt again they screwed themselves out of that one so um Undertaker gets top billing here you know the main event and there's a promo before the match of Farouk in the backstage he's saying he's going to be the first black champion uh nation domination comes out first uh oh you missed the best line of that promo oh did I you said <laughs> Farouk said Undertaker don't worry about Paul Barron's blackmail you worry about this blackmail <laughs> oh, so he picked up on it too. I didn't. Even, did. Man, that slipped in my mind. Yeah, my man. bad. That, there is a wonderful line that Paul Bear is going to feed us in a minute, though. But uh, yeah, that yeah, man, good thing he picked up on the black. <laughs> we got Jr. and Vince on commentary again, yeah. and because Lawler was in the King of the Ring, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and like you said, Farouk comes out. He's got the whole nation with him, and they're really selling on commentary that Undertaker is so distracted by all this going on with Paul Bear yeah. that. Farouk actually has the advantage here, and, he, and he's probably going to become the first ever black champion. Yeah. So that's – unfortunately, it doesn't pan out for him. And uh, uh, who was the first there, – has there has there been an actual WWF champion that's black? Well, The Rock. Uh, the, uh, he counts. I guess, yeah, I yeah, guess that's true. Yeah, uh, The Just Rock. Half. Yeah, okay. Uh, and, you know, Booker T I, I didn't hold the WWF he was title, a, world title. Right, he was a – but, and, and Bobby Lashley was Bobby Lashley yeah, ECW title or is he just ECW? Oh, yeah, that doesn't count. Anyway, um, so again, before this match, again, uh, Farouk is in the ring and uh, Doc Hendricks is interviewing Undertaker backstage with Paul Bear, and it's funny. This is this is fantastic. Again, we talk about Paul Bear on another level here. So Undertaker starts to talk. He says that his fans will always love him no matter what the secret is. He hopes so, and as he's Saying that, Paul Bear goes, Zip it, Lazarus. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Doc Hendricks says the fans will always love him no matter what the secret is. And then as as Taker tries to say something, he's like, Up. Oh. And then, yeah, Zip it, Lazarus. I just thought that was fantastic. That's he's great. just, he's going all out here, man. Paul Bear is. And uh, so, anyway, Undertaker answers. And again, he's announced with Paul Bear on pay per view for the first time. And since mm. what was it, SummerSlam? Since SummerSlam, yep. So yeah, this is the first time he's actually announced by the Fink. You know, coming down the aisle with with Paul Bear. That's, I thought that was pretty interesting. So, and Paul Bear uh, grabs the belt from the Undertaker uh, at the beginning of the match, and that allows Farouk to get a sneak attack on him to start things off. Um, and that's you know, standard Undertaker match, starting a lot of fighting in the corner, punches in the corner. Paul Bear is just screaming at Undertaker, giving him instructions. He's yeah. t- telling him to hook the leg. That's all yeah. you got to do, win the match. <laughs> yeah, telling him how to pin him. Like, 
get a hooked leg this time. This is funny. Mr. Man uh, is like, Paul Bear out there giving instructions as if he's ever been a participant in something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> that neck. Oh. And then it starts off with a great high spot because uh, Undertaker goes for old school. And then as he's, as he's standing on the rope, as he's walked across the rope, just changes his mind and does... <laughs> I don't even know what to call it. He just—it's not a plancha. He just no. kind of falls backwards onto the nation. I thought at first Farouk had shoved him off, but I went back and watched it, and Undertaker just like decides to dive onto the nation to the outside. It was weird, really weird yeah. back first dive. Yeah, he like notices they're out there. He's like, ah, screw it. And he just jumps backwards onto all of them, and luckily they catch him. And, yeah. I mean, I guess they did, but um, did you notice there's a fan in the front row with a sign that has a riddle on it? During this part, I don't think I, I saw that. If if it has not on our social media, yeah, it'll be there. But um, it says, "What comes up from the ground but won't go back down." The Undertaker. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's probably like a six-year-old kid. It's I love made it. that at home, you know. That's great. Like, what comes up from the ground but won't go back down? The Undertaker. <laughs> We've got all kind of new riddles and nicknames for Taker during this episode, so I love it, man. Why is that not a T-shirt? So. I don't know. Should be. So, <laughs> oh, but after that back first dive, um, he under gets back up on the apron and hits the apron stunner again. I didn't realize how like much of a signature move that was until mm-hmm. we started covering these shows. Um, now he goes for the real old school, not you know, not jumping to the outside, but he gets cr- uh, the nation crotches him. I think one of them comes up and interferes, and basically the story of this match is the nation's surrounding the outside and. They're going to just do classic heel work, just, you know, draw on the referee, uh, you know, getting distracting the referee on one side of the ring so that Farouk or one of the others can do a, a dirty, you know, heel spot on the opposite side while the ref's back is turned. It's really, this match is not a five-star classic or anything, but it's really good um, storytelling, again, especially when it comes to babyface and heel roles. You really see the heels do their jobs, you know. I'll give them credit. <laughs> give them credit here. Doing the heel work, it's great. Yeah, you know, that's they're doing that really well. Undertaker and Farouk, uh, in my opinion, just they don't gel in the ring too much no. here. It's a lot of just a lot of uh, one guy will do a move, and then the other guy will just move out of the way or reverse it. And there's, yeah, it's definitely not one of the strongest matches we've seen. Yeah, uh, in ring wise, but uh, yeah, they are telling. I, I get the story that they're telling, and, and they're doing. Uh, a decent job with that with the nod um and even though like jr mentions on commentary he doesn't know why the ref is allowing all these guys to be on the outside sure. uh but well he says he says we should have multiple referees out here yeah he yeah. said i'm sure tomorrow uh president uh real monsoon is gonna dole out some fines that's right tomorrow night so um but it's telling it, the story of undertaker you're, sure, you're sure. trying to raise the doubt of can the undertaker overcome all these odds uh so right it's understandable um Farouk tries to attack Undertaker with the steps, but Undertaker just boots him right back into his face. Uh, Has nobody seen an Undertaker match at this point? I know. You cannot do that with the steps. He's going to boot it right in your face, which is awesome. So, yeah. After that, it's a pile driver. Yeah, Farouk hits a Nasty. big pile driver. Regular old pile, you know, Memphis, Memphis wrestling pile driver. It looks awesome. Gets two counts. So. And then the crowd comes alive here with rest in peace chance. Mm-hmm. Um, Farouk even puts his feet up on the ropes uh, for leverage, trying to get a pin and, and trying to win the match. And uh, JR says that <laughs> he had a good line. He said that Paul Bear may be a big old pimple on the rear end of the world, <laughs> but the last thing he wants is for the Undertaker to lose that title. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and saying Paul Bear is terrible, but he's he wants the Undertaker to win. That's the whole idea here. He wants the power of having the WWF champion uh, under his control. So he's not going to yeah. let the Undertaker, uh, he's not going to let the uh, the nation win or cheat to win. He doesn't want to hurt the Undertaker in that way. He wants to control the Undertaker right. and have all yeah. the power. So exactly. again, yeah, there's some standard move, standard Undertaker stuff. He does the jawbreaker, uh, hits a big splash, uh, ends up hitting hitting Farouk's knees off that big splash. And I just, I wrote again, there's just not a lot of chemistry here. Not, not a ton and, of heat from the crowd either. Yeah. The, I was going to say the crowd's kind of, again, 
again, because this is not the story they're investing. They're investing in the mankind, exactly. or not the mankind, the, the Kane, what will eventually become the Kane story. That's exactly. the story we're invested in, not this white savior. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not black. I'm not white. I'm just dead. <laughs> that's not, you know, selling it here. But um, that's why I don't think this was originally supposed to be main event. I, I bet it was that Brett Shaw match. But anyway, um, the end of this match comes up real. Just kind of out of nowhere, uh, yeah. Paul Bearer is coaching Undertaker up. To, he's telling him to get up. And on the outside, I guess, I guess the seeds were sowed for this a little bit earlier during the King of the Ring matches. But all of a sudden, Savio Vega and Crush and Clarence Mason started arguing outside. I'm not sure what kicked it off. But, again, there was some arguing earlier in the, in the King of the Ring qualifying matches and stuff. But um, So Farouk slams Undertaker in the ring, and he's distracted by the arguing outside. He kind of, you know, he's the commander of the nation he kind of goes over there to kind of jaw jack with him and tell him to, to you know shut up and get back together and when he does uh, he turns around straight into a tombstone and undertaker hits the classic pin and wins the match at 13 minutes and 43 seconds yep so, that's it it was very out of nowhere um yeah yeah clean win yeah and then i, I do want to touch on something that happens after the match and kind of where it's headed too because again uh clean win here no shenanigans. Uh, this is a one and done for Undertaker. You can tell it's not going to continue here, but the story being told here is for the nation and what's going to become of them. You know, uh, I think uh, Savio and Crush both get chokeslams from Undertaker, and uh, eventually, this this is eventually going to lead to Savio Vega running uh, Los Periquas, right? And then Crush running the DOA, the Disciples of Apocalypse, yep. which. I began tuning in very shortly after this match, uh, I would say. I was trying to think this week. I believe it was very shortly, but those three um, factions were feuding, and I always wondered, like, why the crap are these three factions feuding? Like, But I didn't have, I guess, the interest to go online and research, you know, a couple months behind, but I just thought it was neat at this point in my life, uh, now, going back and looking and being like, oh, that's why they mm -hmm. all came from the same place. And now they have their own, you know, they're the bosses of their own leagues, and now they're feuding. I just thought that was kind of neat, you know, personally. I do too. I, I think the the whole gang war storyline is a great idea in theory. The uh, execution of it, especially in ring wise, not one of the best things uh, we're ever going to see. But yeah, we're going to see that in the Raws over the next few weeks. That the dissolution of the Nation of Domination and the formation of Los Bariquas and DOA and all of that. Uh, so their their dissension causes Farouk to lose and not become the first black WWF champion. Right. But, uh, yeah. The, well, the, it's, not, it's not over yet. The show's yeah. not Something over. Happened yeah. yeah. Undertaker kind of puts his head down in the corner. Uh, he's won, but he's still just upset that he has to be in there with Paul Bear. Uh, Paul Bear starts screaming at Undertaker, demanding him to keep attacking Farouk to do more damage. To him, Undertaker tries to walk away, and Paul Bear slaps him, slaps him across the face. Yeah, uh, and so Undertaker walks back over to Farouk, delivers a choke slam, and he's like asking Paul Bear, "Is that enough?" Paul Bear says, "No, give me more, give me more." Paul Bear, er, excuse me, Undertaker goes over and gives him a choke, Farouk a choke slam, gives him another choke slam, and Paul Bear just continues to scream and yell over Undertaker. When all of a sudden, Ahmed Johnson runs out. And he starts trying to talk some sense into the Undertaker, telling him to get it together. Oh, we... <laughs> I think he could have stopped it. He starts trying to talk. He starts trying to talk. Dude, I did not understand a word he said. And I have headphones in when I watch this. not human english it was, it was such gibberish you gotta turn the he, closed captioning on I, I i think the typist was confused that day it is rough man i don't know what he said he's like the black scott steiner i love it that's a so good. perfect comparison yeah uh, go ahead and tell us what he's trying to get across well like we said uh, we we tease that ahmed johnson he's a little bit sympathetic to farouk's comments and he we also seen him getting a little shoving match with the Undertaker, and now Ahmed shoves the Undertaker and gives him the Pearl River Plunge. 
yeah to, to kind of end this show ahmed looking strong hitting his finisher on the wwf champion paul bear just looks shocked that and people start throwing trash in the ring much like they yeah. used to do with the nwo this is crazy ahmed johnson's been this huge like number num- like number two or three baby face for the company over the past few years got like not quite at Sid level, but I mean, Ahmed Johnson's always been over. The crowd's always been yeah. into him. Uh, his intensity, his charisma just kind of jumps off, off, the, off the screen at people. So this is pretty shocking. Um, and so did he, his clothes. <laughs> they jumped up into him, not <laughs> yeah, quite sorry. off the screen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, you're right. In all seriousness. So. Uh, Paul Bear starts yelling at Undertaker. Undertaker sits up and his music plays as the show ends and he, uh, Paul Bear kind of runs up the aisleway and, and Undertaker stalks him to the back and that's how the show goes off the air. It's a pretty weird way yeah. to end the show with uh, this Ahmed Johnson turn with Undertaker getting beat up again, sort of, to, to yeah. end a pay-per-view and uh, even though he's won clean uh, with the championship again the past couple months... They have sort of a weird storyline to end the show. It's not quite enough to just have him win and, and look strong. Uh, they got to do this extra stuff at the end. So it's going to lead to uh, some more interesting stuff on our next week's episode. Over the next week is more chaos behind the scenes. Excuse me, over the next month as we build into the next match. Uh, it's looking like it's supposed to be Undertaker versus Ahmed Johnson. But as we'll see next week, we don't quite get there. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I th- I thought this was an interesting experiment to per- put Farouk in yeah. this slot and to do this kind of feud. Didn't quite work. Uh, they tried something different, uh, and it just doesn't quite gel. It's almost too much of this realistic political stuff. And like you yeah. said, it's, it's too much going on with all the Kane stuff. That's where people's attention is. That's what they want to be seeing more of. Maybe if they... Maybe they should have done like Undertaker versus Mankind here instead of a couple months ago uh, sure. and tried to tie that into all this Paul Bear stuff some more. I don't know. Doesn't quite work, but at least we're getting the seeds of this awesome Kane stuff. The storyline stuff is great. Match itself, meh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it does make you want to watch the next week. Again, this, the ending of this felt like an episode of Raw, honestly. Right. It felt not like a not a major, because this isn't even in your house. This is one of the big five. You know, this is King of the Ring. So it felt like, but again, what they're doing, and Russo will tell you if you listen to his interviews, he's, he's got, he wants you to go, like, what's going to happen tomorrow night on Raw. He wants you to leave you with something at the end. There's no, you know, Bruce Pritchard always says Hogan must pose. <laughs> That's not what we're having here. You know, Hogan's not posing. Undertaker's not up on his feet, you know, celebrating. He's getting, he's getting knocked down again, and see if we'll get back up. Um, what was that song? Chumba Wumba? Yeah. Get knocked down, block it up again. <laughs> yeah. Up thumping. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that was a pretty pertinent song in 97, wasn't it? I think that's oh. when it came out. Yeah, I think yeah, that's when it was so. <laughs> But Vince does say on commentary that, that Undertaker is disgusted with himself. He looks disgusted with himself, which, again, is cool. A little nuance we're going to add in there. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for the ride and where the rest of it goes, and uh, yeah, it looks like we're headed toward Ahmed and and uh, and Undertaker, but not so fast. Exactly. Uh, well, I'm excited too. On, <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I'll share some <laughs> Ahmed Johnson thoughts next week. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, we're excited to keep this journey going. We hope you are as well. We thank you for listening. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Google Play, Podbean, YouTube, any of those, or all the above. You know, whatever. We'll appreciate that. Sure. Uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on uh, on all the social media. Let us know what you thought of this match, what you thought of this episode, what you thought of The Undertaker uh, curing racism back in 1997. Uh, <laughs> let us know <laughs> about all that. And if you... Uh, you know, if you want to support the show, the best thing you can do, of course, is to share it, retweet it, tell your friends about it. If you want to support us monetarily, you can go pick up a Taker Easy t-shirt over at tpublic.com. You can hit the links on our social media pages as well. You can pick up a sticker, you can pick up a mug, a hoodie, any of that stuff with our Taker Easy logo. And who knows, maybe we'll get some other stuff up there one day. We've got some other ideas, maybe we'll throw some up there. Uh, but anybody who's ever picked up one of those, we appreciate it, and uh, we love your support. We love you guys. We thank you for listening. Shout out to my uh, our good friend, 
Jay Stanley. I got to hang out with him this weekend. He told me he still listens to every episode, uh, and he's loving it, going along for the ride. So we appreciate you tuning in, Jay, and, of course, all you other creatures of the night who listen every week. It's awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. And if you were there, Providence, Rhode Island, on this night in King of the Ring, uh, I believe it was June 8th, 2000, I mean, excuse me, I always say 2000, June 8th, 1997, please let us know if you were there. If you were the guy that held the sign with the riddle in the front row, we really want to hear from you. Um, or if you bought a King awesome. of the Ring inflatable uh, seat, <laughs> please oh, let us know if you yeah. have one of those. If Please tweet us a picture of you in it, if you have it still. <laughs> uh, anyway. Awesome. Or if you have one of Sonya's Super Soakers, please let us know. Um, anyway, no, her actual Super Soakers. So, <laughs> on not, note, not if you Super Soak. Hey! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, take her easy. Sonny's Search and Soak Mission. Sonny, someone said you want to see me. See you? No. But I did want to ask you if you thought the wethead was still alive. Yeah, yeah, I do. Good. Because the rest of you is about to join it. Tim, was that the honky-tonk man being washed down the hallway? No King, I believe it was. The Super Soaker CPS 2000 and the XP85 Triple Shot allow you to deliver the fun. Wetter is better. Super Soaker. Wetter. Even better.